0: Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Monday, May 7th, The Financial Show, and we're talking all things Berkshire Hathaway. I'm your host, Michael Douglas. I'm joined by Matt Frankel. So, listeners, as you probably know, the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting was this past weekend, also known as Woodstock for Capitalists. It is a massive event. I've been to it personally twice. It's a really good time, particularly because um, you get this chance to hear, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's chairman Warren Buffett and vice chairman Charlie Munger, two of, in my opinion, the greatest investors alive today, sit and dish on basically anything anyone asks about for about six hours, which is uh, an incredible thing uh, to hear, and it really um, kind of leads to a lot of wisdom. Um, certainly, it's changed how I invest, and it's changed how millions of other people invest, Uh, and it was uh, live-streamed on Yahoo Finance, and pretty much the entire business news world basically froze and (laughs) made sure that they covered this over the weekend. We had a lot of coverage on fool.com, there were some great live blogs, uh, particularly the Wall Street Journals, and so there's just a lot of great background about this really fantastic annual meeting. So we're gonna hop into the things that Warren Buffett talked about and kind of some of his some of the main takeaways for investors today as we're thinking about the stock market and about Berkshire Hathaway. But first Matt, let's just give a really quick you know 30 second to one minute synopsis of Berkshire Hathaway and what it does.
1: Sure. Um, Berkshire at its core is an insurance company. Um, <clears throat> Warren Buffett loves the insurance business. Um, it uh, basically because it requires them to keep a lot of, it gives them a lot of cash that they can then deploy into other investments. So Berkshire operates insurance subsidiaries such as Geico is probably its best known one, but its biggest insurance business is called reinsurance, which is essentially insurance for insurance companies. Now, like I said, it uses the money from that to fund other acquisitions, which it's built up quite a portfolio of about 60 different companies ranging from real estate to retailers to consumer goods to furni- uh, um, aircraft parts, just to name a few. There's a ton of them. Um, and they also use their money to invest in, their, in common stocks, which Berkshire's stock portfolio has become you know, about 40% of the company in terms of market cap and is one of the most followed, if not the most followed, stock portfolios in the world
0: yeah, so when you think about Berkshire Hathaway, kind of the the bucketing ways to think about it are core insurance business, other businesses that they've invested in, and stock portfolio. And that's kind of the three sort of main components, um, if you want to think about it that way, of the company. Um, and Warren Buffett, you know, has been at the helm uh, at Berkshire for an extraordinarily long time <laughs> and he has, Um, presided over tremendous growth in this company um, over the years. and so In part because of this, and in part because of just the incredible stock investments he's made over the years, he's known as the Oracle of Omaha, and people go on this annual pilgrimage to Omaha to hear what he has to say. Interestingly, interesting that I spoke about growth, because the first thing we're going to talk about today is the fact that Berkshire actually reported a loss in earnings at uh, you know in the in the documentation leading up to the conference
1: yeah Buffett said in his letter this year about three months ago that shareholders shouldn't pay much attention to Berkshire's earnings going forward um, basically there's an accounting change now that requires what what they call unrealized gains on investments meaning stocks they haven't sold yet to be included in earnings figures as most listeners know, the stock market did not have a great first quarter to 2018, and this was especially true for some of Buffett's stocks. Wells Fargo had a particularly bad time. Coca Cola's, Kraft Heinz are you know all doing pretty poorly. So this made Berkshire look like they lost over a billion dollars, when in reality their operating earnings, which are the is the earnings that are actually being generated by its businesses grew to a record high level up almost 50 percent year over year and it was actually about a five billion dollar profit and it made it the change in value of the company's stock portfolio made it look like a loss and buffett had some comments he kind of reiterated his point that investors should not be too concerned with any one quarter or even any one year's earnings just because it includes figures from Investments that Berkshire hasn't sold yet, and for all we know, has no plans to sell anytime soon.
0: Right, and one of the key things to really think about here is that um, a lot of people, um, I, I think, kind of look at look at companies on a a fairly sort of general view. So they sort of look just really at just like top line and bottom line numbers, so revenue and earnings per share, or revenue and net income, or something like that, and the. And particularly when the stock market goes south and you know, you see someone's net income go down, you know, their their earnings per share go down, then you get a little bit nervous about that company. The thing with Berkshire is that you're really not going to want to watch that when the stock market goes down, because they're absolutely going to show really terrible earnings per share, but that's going to be because of all of these investments sort of weighing down what is fundamentally a very strong business.
1: Right, and this accounting change affects you know all companies, but there's no other companies that I know of, at least, with a 180 billion dollar stock portfolio. Right. So this is really a Berkshire specific accounting change in many ways.
0: Yes, and I would say maybe Markel. I mean, stocks aren't they don't have a 180 billion dollar portfolio, but they've got a fair amount, and a lot of their stocks are uh, fairly high flying tech names. So you could see that Markel is in in many ways. Structured very similarly to Berkshire, it's not nearly the scale. Um, it's also from uh, my home hometown, Glen Allen, Virginia. But uh, anyway, point is that it's not. Uh, it's structured similarly, and so you would probably see a similar issue for them. But yeah, this is just something that's going to really affect. These two companies, I'd say, going forward. And it's just something you're going to have to keep in mind, particularly as, you know, when the stock market swoons or goes up, you're really going to want to look at that underlying business performance and sort of strip out the investment side of it. All right. So with that, let's turn to topic number two Warren Buffett's investments in Wells Fargo. Now, listeners, you've heard us talk. <laughs> quite a bit about Wells Fargo over the past, oh, I don't know, six to eight months. But particularly even in the last couple of episodes, we've we've had quite a bit to say about the company. And uh, Warren Buffett, not surprisingly, was asked about Wells.
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting. I don't know if you were watching the live stream during this, um, but when they were asked the question, the question was worded to the effect of, at what point do you just give up and get out of Wells Fargo? And the audience cheered the question more than they cheered Buffett's response. So this is a very common question that people have about Berkshire's Wells Fargo investment. But Buffett kind of gave the indication that not only does he not want to sell, he thinks Wells Fargo is going to do particularly well uh, in the coming years. In fact, this morning, he told CNBC that he thinks Wells Fargo will outperform the other big banks over the next 10 years. He stopped short of telling investors to buy any more. But essentially, Buffett thinks that the fake account scandal, the um, overcharging for mortgages, um, giving people auto insurance they didn't need, all those problems weren't the big issue. The big issue, Buffett thinks, is that management didn't react quickly enough when they found out there was a problem. Um, Buffett points out that Berkshire Hathaway has over 370,000 employees, and he's he's not sure how many people are doing things wrong, but it's not zero. There's bad apples at every company. The, the key is that when management finds out about the problem, they need to react quickly to prevent it from becoming a massive fake account scandal like in Wells Fargo's case. Right. So, but Buffett seems confident with the current – the new um, leadership at Wells Fargo and said that he's made – he pointed out that in the past he's made investments in financial companies that have you know, done even worse things. Um, he mentioned American Express and Geico. And these have turned out to be some of his best investments of all time. So he's kind of encouraging investors to sit tight and just kind of let the process play out.
0: And fair enough. Although he did also sort of stop short of suggesting people buy more. He didn't say, you know, yeah, Wells Fargo yeah. screaming buy. <laughs> Which, uh, sure. And
1: it's also fair to point out that when American Express and Geico were having their issues, it was before Buffett invested in them. right.
0: Yeah, so so there's a lot to disentangle there. Um, I, I I think you know my viewpoint on the company, so I'll just kind of leave. I'll just kind of leave it at that.
1: You won't find it in Michael's portfolio anytime soon.
0: No, no, certainly not. Um, let's let's turn to succession. So this is an issue that is pops up. I would say annually, but frankly, it's a lot more uh, often than that. Than that. Um, you know, Warren Buffett is in his upper eighties. And uh, is 87 to be more precise. And Charlie Munger, his vice chairman and partner in crime, is 94 years old. And so it is natural for people to ask okay, what happens after both of you are no longer running Berkshire Hathaway? Um, and per usual, it's, it seems uh, we didn't really get any new details on that.
1: Well we've gotten enough details I feel for the time being. Like we both we both hope that Buffett and Munger both live well into their hundreds. Right. But there's no guarantee that they even want to run their company if they're around in their hundreds. Right. So this is something that could happen at any time and shareholders are getting kind of, you know, anxious to know that it's still going to be investing in Buffett essentially after Buffett's gone. Um Buffett kind of tried to set shareholders' minds at ease, saying that the team is in place, should anything happen. Um, the two recently um, promoted vice chairman, who pretty much over- com- combined to oversee all of Berkshire's businesses. Um, one of them will be the CEO. We don't know who it is yet. And his two investment managers, um, Ted and Todd, everyone says, um, are not only managing more and more money over time, but are starting to actually bring acquisition ideas to Berkshire's attention and be instrumental in that side of the business. So he's, he's very confident in his team. And uh, Charlie Munger even kind of doubled down on that and said that if anyone sells the stock after him and Buffett are gone, they're going to regret it and won't do any better elsewhere.
0: Yes, uh, Charlie Munger is known for um, hitting the nail on the head. So, and that's that's as per usual, kind of what he did. He also had a great, uh, a great quote. Um, Buffett was talking about how he's sort of been kind of semi-retired, is kind of how he called it. And Munger was like, "Yeah, Warren's very good at doing nothing," um, which is like you know your classic like laugh slash applause line at uh, Berkshire Hathaway, just to give you kind of a feel uh, for the meeting. Um, cool. Well, we'll turn to. Uh, A few other major issues, that is, Apple, cryptocurrencies, and Berkshire's cash hoard in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage's Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, Matt, let's not bury the lead, because this is the things people really wanted to talk to anyway, right? Apple. Berkshire just bought 75 million more shares and Buffett was quite bullish on the stock at the meeting.
1: Yeah, this makes Berkshire's stake in Apple about 5% of the company, which doesn't sound like much, but this is $45 million worth of, or $45 billion rather worth of stock we're talking about. So this is not only Berkshire's biggest stock investment now, this is one of the biggest parts of Berkshire in general. It's about 10% of the company's market cap. Um, Buffett loves Apple for several reasons. It's really kind of morphed into this a a Buffett stock, I guess I would say. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it's a very it's it's not a capital intensive business, which Buffett loves. It has a very very loyal following of customers. Um, As as all listeners probably know, people either love Apple or don't love Apple, and the people who love Apple will never be convinced otherwise.
0: It, my, my my wife is uh, a big Apple lover, so yes.
1: Yeah, we're we're a split household too. I'm I, I'm using a Dell right now, and my wife is on her iPad. So we're a split household <laughs> also, and she's not going to give up her iPad for a tablet anytime soon. No. Um, but but so it's it's a very sticky product, is how Buffett phrases that. Um, and he also loves Apple's management. It's really hard to overemphasize how much value Buffett places on good management especially shareholder-friendly management that goes out of their way to return as much capital as possible to its shareholders. In Apple's case, through buybacks. He loves Apple's massive buyback programs, especially in this environment where no one can find attractive companies to buy. He feels that this is by far Apple's best use of its cash. And he said this morning that he owns 5% of Apple, and he knows that within 10 years, he's going to own 6% of Apple, even if he doesn't put another dime in. Right. So they, Buffett and Munger both actually today said that they wish they had bought more. They probably weren't aggressive enough with Apple. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Berkshire buy even more Apple over the next few quarters.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, it was funny actually. Uh, Buffett got on uh, CNBC this morning and basically said, "Hey, you know, we'd love to own a hundred percent of the company." And then he sort of walked that back a little bit and said, "Well, listen, you know, if you're buying shares of a company, it's because you want to own the whole thing, right?" So, so let. Let's not have any speculation about Berkshire buying Apple. A, not going to happen. B, they don't have enough money. <laughs> so, um, but yeah,
1: you don't say that sentence too often. But with Apple, it certainly applies. <laughs>
0: right, right, for once. Um, and it was interesting as well. He also said that there are other stocks we like just as much as Apple. It's just that they're the companies aren't nearly as big. We can't buy. We being Berkshire can't buy nearly as much of them. And so, you know, keep in mind one of their key things here is they need scale plays, and Apple is. Just about as big of a scale play as they get, so it's been um, it's been a really um, really interesting evolution on his part, I think, because a lot of us do think of Apple as kind of a tech company, and he really has pushed, I would say, really starting at last year's annual meeting, for people to think of Apple increasingly as kind of a consumer goods company. So you know, Dylan, Vince, I don't know if y'all are listening, but um, you know, consider that maybe maybe Vince gets to cover Apple from now on, and and Dylan's going to have to you know limit himself to uh, Spotify, Snap and a few other uh, tech stocks. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not in the middle of that fight. I'm just throwing out there when Berkshire when when Warren Buffett speaks, we all kind of have to listen a little bit.
1: Very true. And it's also worth noting that we'll find out what else Warren Buffett bought in about a week when when the company files their
0: 13F with the SEC. Yes, and we will have extensive coverage of that on full.com because it is I mean, listen. You don't just blindly follow what somebody else buys in the stock market, but it's really interesting to see what Buffett and some of these other really big uh, investment managers think is potentially worth investing in. It's certainly helpful for me, at least, to source stock ideas. Um, speaking of stock ideas, or, well, actually, things to stay away from, so just the opposite <laughs> of stock ideas, let's talk about cryptocurrencies. Warren Buffett, you know. Uh, Per, sometimes I wonder if he kind of thinks about exactly what he's going to call something if he gets a question about it when he knows he's going to get a question about it, um, because he kind of led off by calling a Bitcoin. Uh, I, tell me if I'm quoting this wrong. Rat poison squared. Yes,
1: <laughs> that's very <laughs> true. He's 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 had things to say about cryptocurrencies over the past few months, so this isn't really surprising. Um, he's said before and he said again that these are going to come. These are going to end badly. Um, his reasoning is that these are not productive assets in the sense that if you buy a stock, it generates profits, hopefully. If you buy a farm, it produces crops. Um, These are productive assets, whereas things like gold is the classic example of an unproductive asset. And Buffett and Munger, for that matter, both kind of feel that cryptocurrencies are like a a fool's gold in a way. Um, And they haven't really dug into how useful they are as actual currencies um not surprisingly i don't really think warren buffett goes out and pays for things in bitcoin (laughs) but but it's worth he's he's speaking strictly from an investment standpoint um it's probably fair to say he feels pretty much the same as he does about foreign currencies that's why berkshire doesn't you know hold 20 billion dollars of euros in its portfolio um it's not a productive asset he feels that people can put their money to use in better ways and it's kind of turning into like a like a bubble almost
0: yeah and it's one of those things where it, this is the difference between um, investing and speculation I think really in a, in a really kind of core kind of way so speculation is when you're saying I think this price is going to go up or down right um, and you might think that about currencies you might think that about soybean futures you might think that about cryptos investing is when you say this business look, looks like it's going to prosper and I think the rest will probably follow naturally from that and um, the, the nice thing about investing is that when everyone is tacking right and you're tacking left, if you're confident in your thesis and you're right, you can make a lot of money. And that's really how Warren Buffett has beaten the market by so much historically. And so I think that's you know here at the Motley Fool, <clears throat> it's pretty clear which side of that whole debate we're on. But um, if you are at uh, ever kind of uncertain about where where you stand, you know I, I would. Consider kind of the history here, um, that people who have really a great record of beating the market kind of tend to think this way about kind of long-term investing as opposed to speculation, and I think that's a good takeaway for all of us. Finally, let's talk about Berkshire Hathaway's cash flow. Now, this is one of those other kind of perennial major um, issues, uh, because Berkshire Hathaway, as it gets bigger, it has to make bigger investments to. Well, deploy its capital to do something. And it's, uh, they actually managed to drop it a little bit. It's 108 billion versus 116 billion at the end of 2017.
1: Yeah, this was the first time it had dropped in some time and was, you know, a nice thing for shareholders to hear. Um, You mentioned he needs big investments. This is why he likes Apple stock so much. He can buy a lot of Apple stock without, you know, acquiring the company or anything like that. This kind of reading between the lines a little bit, this indicates to me at least that inv- investments are starting to look a little more reasonably valued than they did in the past quarter. I mean and, you know, end of 2017 when Berkshire said they couldn't find anything to buy. Um, so that it's looking like this might be turning around. The volatility in the market, rising interest rates are starting to produce some investments that are looking a little bit attractive. Like I mentioned before, we'll find out. Exactly what other stocks Berkshire bought in in the coming days, but this kind of gives gives me hope at least that they might find a nice acquisition sometime this year to put more of that cash to work. Buffett only wants to keep about 30 billion of it. so that leaves about 80 billion dollars to play with still.
0: right, which you know that's a that's a fair amount of play money. It's certainly more than I'm going to spend you know in my entire lifetime times <laughs> you know, I don't know at least at least several million. Um, and, uh, and actually relatedly, let's let's talk about let's talk briefly about healthcare here because you know, one of the kind of bigger pieces of news that we saw in the last um, few months was, you know, Buffett, Bezos, and Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan basically planning this healthcare initiative. And the idea is that it's supposed to sort of help bend the cost curve light on details. And Buffett didn't really give much more in the way of details um, at the annual meeting, but he at least identified that or told folks that it looked like a CEO would kind of be identified and in place in a a couple of months. And that at least would give us kind of a sense as to what direction they're planning to go with this.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, he kind of elaborated on this in this morning's interview that he doesn't expect anything to change that quickly. He doesn't think his healthcare initiative is gonna, you know, turn the industry upside down anytime really soon. But he did say that once a CEO's in place and once they start having some success, that this could become a real big thing. He said this morning that hundreds of companies are interested in joining once there's like you know, a viable plan in place.
0: Yeah, and it will be I mean, I'll be very curious, um, both as a frequent healthcare investor and just generally as a as a person who wants to make sure that our health insurance, uh, well, is is good value, I guess, for the extraordinarily high price um, to see kind of what comes out of this. So, it'll, it'll be a very interesting few months we've got ahead of us. Um, Matt, anything else you want to chat about with Berkshire? Um, not particularly. I, I hope to make it to the meeting next year or
1: one of these years. It seems that I'm I'm watching the live stream, and every year that I have the chance to go, you know, I have a have a baby or something like that.
0: <laughs> well, uh, priorities. I, I imagine
1: <laughs> it's a lot nicer in person than on the live stream.
0: It is pretty nice in person. Um, well, just because you know you can kind of like go out and get a Dairy Queen uh, ice cream bar, you know, for funsies sometime during the uh, during the the meeting. That just kind of makes things fun. Um, and, and actually, uh, Matt, you I'll, I'll mention this to folks just because I thought it was kind of cool. Matt, you mentioned a stat before uh, we started. Um, started recording, which is that Berkshire businesses earn $400 million every week. Just think about that. That is an incredible amount of money.
1: That kind of tells you why they have problems putting their cash to work if it's flowing in that quickly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, It's pretty wild. All right. So, folks, that's it for this week's financial show. Questions? Comments? You can always reach us at full.com As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Frankel, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.